get hit by lightning? Are you kidding me? That's why I said it. Never thought it would happen to me, ever. I really had a different, whole new respect for Mother Nature, <laughs> to put it blindly or bluntly. It's just, I feel fortunate, very fortunate that I survived it. Hi, I'm Catherine. I love hearing people's stories. I always have. In 2021, an idea came to me to talk to 10 people I didn't know about a meaningful day in their life. I posted the idea to my neighborhood's Facebook page and connected with 11 people who were willing to share. We met in one of our homes, and these are those conversations. For me, when I hear someone's personal experience, I understand them better. I feel connected to them through common ground or a common feeling, and I always and inevitably learn something from them that helps me in my own life. I don't know what you'll find in these conversations, but I hope it's something good. I'm so grateful all around to everyone who participated, and now to you for listening. I truly hope you enjoy. Let's jump right in. Today's conversation is with Ray. Okay, great. So okay. let's get started. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Ray. I'm 65 years old now. My first event, if you want me to... Well, so you, you're here to talk about you never thought oh. it was going to happen to oh. me, right? Correct. I never thought either one of my situations would ever happen to me. Let's just dump right in. Yeah. I'm ready to hear about it. Be, and in a million years, I never thought either one would. Um, the first event was April of 1991. Newly married, six months. I was walking in a March of Dimes walkathon with Pepsi, who I worked for at the time. And we were walking in typical South Florida. The rain started to move in. We're halfway through the, the trail at this time, and lightning starts cracking everywhere around us. So I told the group, the group that we we're with, we need to get away from the trees because mm -hmm. this lightning was starting to pop. And almost finished, we're walking and we're drenched. We're all wet. And the Barnett Bank Group there was a group behind us, about, i say, 15 yards behind us. They saw the lightning hit the pine tree, arch over. It hit me in my right watch. I was wearing a dive watch. I was scuba wearing a dive watch, and you can see the burn marks I still have from it. Knocked me up in the air, landed on my back. I was out. Fortunately... The paramedics, because there were paramedics out always for these walkathons, were near the finish line, saw it happen, came rushing out to me. I didn't know what I was out. My niece was walking next to me, and they said he's he, he has no pulse. He has no pulse. So they started the CPR, did the thing, jammed the needle in my chest, the whole, you know, to get the heart going, in, and it did. And I survived it, thank goodness. And I ended up four days in John F. Kennedy Hospital, which is a heart institute, luckily, uh, right across the street from the park we were walking at. Four days in the hospital. They got my heart stable. They could not get it stable. It was beating er erratically. And they finally got it to a point where the arrhythmia was very minor, where a lot of people live with it. So that 
created a fear in me of lightning after that where I literally would get away from windows. I wouldn't get out of the car to come in the house until the lightning stopped. So I, and even to this day, I still get a little, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but um, I'm still fearful of it anyway. So, so just to be clear, you were struck by lightning. I was struck by that, not directly. Okay. If it would have directly, they said I would be, I would have been dead. I would drove me in the ground. I would have been dead. The group behind me is the one that saw it. Mm -hmm. It hit a pine tree and they literally, it arched over. I was the closest one to it. And I, again, my right hand, that now I wear it here, but on my left arm, they saw it hit me and it threw me up in the air and onto my back. Wow. I don't remember it. And when I finally came to, I said to one of the guys that worked for me, I said, why'd you punch me? Why'd you hit me? He said, boss, I didn't hit you. <laughs> I didn't hit you. And then the Barnett people, Barnett Bank people came running up and said, no, we saw it. Lightning hit him. So well, I had blood and, and mucus and everything come out of my nose, mm -hmm. and uh, which they say it can rush and do that to you when you get your body goes into so much trauma. So your heart stopped? Yes. Uh, then it started again. It didn't complete. It stopped. And then they got to me. It was really erratic. Okay. And they had to, to stabilize it. They do the, some, they jam this needle. I forget no, the name like, of the, that... I forget the name of the medication, but what it, it's like, like an I've adrenaline. Seen it. Uh, is it you, epinephrine? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, you know, to this day, I don't remember what it was. My niece will tell you, she knows. Um, but they did it, and it, it's, it started beating erratically, but it's, it calmed it down to where they didn't have to zap me or anything there. So they transported me immediately across the street, and uh, four, five days later, actually, I got to go home. And I now, I then, at that time, lived with a, a arrhythmia that a lot of people have, normal. So I didn't have one before it, but I did after that. Wow. Okay. By the way, and I have no idea if it's happening <laughs> or not, but so did you, you remember just walking and then what was the next thing you remember? The hospital. Just, okay. I don't remember saying that to my guy, one of my district managers that worked for me at the time. I don't remember saying anything. I just remember waking up going and my head, my head was felt like it was going to explode the pain that like the, a major major migraine headache and when i woke up that's what was what i was feeling at the time and they said that's all normal from what the trauma that you experienced so and i had some swelling around the brain from that too but i survived it so okay so you wake up in the hospital correct who is with you um my wife was actually not there at the time but they called her and she rushed her. She ended up coming. But my niece, uh, Tracy, mm -hmm. um, one of my nieces was there walking with me and she was there with me. So she ended up being with me at the hospital. So, and you woke up later that day? Or, Correct. But you were there for four days. And did she tell you what happened? She did. And what did you uh, think when you heard? I went, what? Are you kidding me? You know, I, was, I, was, I couldn't believe it because again, I thought, it felt like I got sucker punched mm -hmm. 
And I said to him, why did you hit me? I, I don't remember saying that. But he accused, he said, Ray, you accused me of hitting you. <laughs> I didn't hit your boss, I promise, you know. So that's what it felt like. I mean, just a thud, like you get the wind knocked out of you. And, but I don't remember the ride to the hospital or my niece talking to me because she was right there at all. A funny story following that. About, I guess, four or five months later, I put my dive watch back on and it wasn't working. So this is the same one that got hit or was this a different one? It was the same one. Okay. I didn't realize it at the time because they took it off and put it in the bag. So I took it to a jeweler and I said, Could, the battery may be dead in this thing. He opened up the back of it and he said, not the battery. He said, did you hit, were you working on your car and hit the battery post because the guts of this thing are fried? And I said, what? And I flipped it over and it was on the date and the time that it happened when wow. I got hit. And I can't find the watch. <laughs> I had it in a box and I can't find it because I wanted to hang on to it. So I know what this is. So it was a Seiko dive watch. And it was frozen in that, in that period of time when I got hit in April. Wow. So how do you process or how did you process the fact that you were struck by lightning? Even if it wasn't a direct hit, you still encountered it. Like, it was, I just think about it, how powerful that, and that was residual hit. Mm -hmm. I, I clearly understand how, how fear can come into play. It did for me. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go near windows. Like I said, I wouldn't get out of car. So I really had a different, whole new respect for mother nature mm -hmm. <laughs> to put it blindly or bluntly. It's just, I feel fortunate, very fortunate that I survived it. And I was, I played college football as an athlete. You know, I was in really good shape. And uh, that's why I said, get hit by lightning? Are you kidding me? That's why I said, it. never thought it would happen to me, ever. So you, you were scared afterwards, obviously. I was. But... I was very fearful. I would be in, in South Florida is known for quick storms coming in. Yeah. I grew up there. So I'm a golfer, I like to play golf. So we would be in tournaments playing around different tournaments, corporate tournaments. And when the when it would start to move in and the lightning would start popping, I would go, guys, I'm out of here. And they go, oh, come on, Ray. What are the chances of getting hit by lightning? I said, you want me to tell you about the chances? <laughs> and they didn't know. And I told them, I said, all right, let's all go in. So I got them all to go in because I, I would literally get sweaty palms, I would get very anxious until I got into a safe space for me. Um, and that happened for a long time, still does on occasion, when it starts pop, really cracking. Yeah. Um, Did that feel like a near-death experience to you or like you, you could have died or was, yeah, was it, it kind it, of a... Yeah, when, when I realized what had happened and when my niece and the doctor explained to me what they were, what happened to me, he just kept saying, you, you're so lucky. It wasn't direct. He said, if it was, you would not, we would be, you'd be in the morgue. That's how powerful it was. 
So yeah, I, I thought about that a lot. And I was six months married, my wife, that's her up there on the far left. Those are my three daughters. That's my wife on the far They're left. Oh, so beautiful. Thank you. And uh, she said, I'm a widow at six months. You know, she was 24 when we got married. So yeah, it, it had a profound impact on, on me and mother nature going forward. Did it change how you looked at your life or what you wanted to do with your life? Um, at that time, no, not really. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't have, not like the second event I'm going to talk to you about. Uh, that, that did. Mm -hmm. But that one, no, I, I got through it and, and it overcame the fear factor of it and uh, just, just had a new respect for it going forward. But no, I was corporate America. I was on that drive to get better and more responsibility. And uh, that's... It just kind of happened. It and just you, happened. You and you recovered. And, and I did. And I had the arrhythmia that I never had before. And every time I would go in for, you know, in, in corporate America, you go for annual physicals. They pay for executive, what's called executive physical. And they would go, you know, you have an arrhythmia. I said, yeah, I, I know. Okay, just want to make sure you're aware of it. <laughs> Every time I would go, a new person would do the EKG. He says, you know, you have a... Uh, yep, I know. <laughs> Is that something so. that you would tell people about? Like, it's oh, it's yeah. like the greatest answer to like two truths and a lie, right? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I did. I told, I, I told people because I was fortunate. And, and, and sometimes you get in this... You can get in this rut like, oh, you know, I've got all this coming on, you know. I survived being hit by lightning. Now, a lot of people can say that. Not directly, but indirectly. Still survived it. When yeah. it could have really killed me. So I had a whole different perspective on not letting the small stuff get to me mm -hmm. from that point on. Yeah. And I kind of I got away from that as time went on because that was 1991 and... My other event, my second event, was 2015. Well, why don't we just jump into that sure. one? Sure. This one is something, again, in a million years, never thought would happen to me. Wow. Ever. I was in corporate America, executive level, for many years. I was up here with the Sara Lee Bread Division. I was 10 years with Coke, 16 years with Pepsi, vice president levels. Left them, got in the bread industry, and that's what brought us here to Nashville. And it was March 31st, 2015. Night before was my wife's birthday, March 30th. We went out, had a great dinner, celebrated all that. And, and the next night, I'm laying in bed. She's next to me. It's just before 11 o'clock p.m. And... I'm on my work phone, you know, answering emails and all, and she's lying next to me. The ironic thing is, this night, Annette, my wife, always falls asleep before I do. Always. Wow. For whatever reason, this night, and we were chatting back and forth, and I said to her, honey, you ever think I'm going to be able to retire? You know, because 
38, seven years in corporate America. And at that level, people think, oh, you know, big bucks. The stress and the pressure of performance is very, very high. I was 59 years old, which to me is very young today. 65 is young today. So she goes, honey, I sure and help pray that we, you know, you can and not too many. And I had a plan to work till I was 67, mm-hmm. retire at 67. No sooner did we say that, I have my phone and I'm laying in bed and she said, I dropped it and I went just limp, nothing. And air just started coming out of me like a deep exhale. Hmm. And she goes, Ray, knock it off because I always goof around with her and kid around. And she says, Ray, stop it. Ray, and she realized... I was, I had lost all my color and she freaks out. She calls 911. They're on their way, but she also had my phone and called our friends who literally lived off Macaulay right here, right around the corner. And we lived in, on Kirkwall, the second house in on the left on Kirkwall. And it was fairly new. So both Williamson County and Davidson County are trying to find it because we're right on the, the you know how it is in this neighborhood. So 911 sends both of them. The police got there first, but the ambulance couldn't find it because they didn't know where the address was. So my friend, he goes running out, our friend, and starts saying, no, 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 here, he's back here. This was almost 30 minutes later. My wife, talking to 911, they say, drag him off the bed, get him on the hard surface, and start CPR. And she was trained years ago, but she knew enough. So she started. And they finally got there, and they come rushing in. And this one, you can see, wouldn't move, so they had to end up moving her. Your dog. Yeah, my, I'm sorry, my dog, <laughs> Libby, my dog, right, sweetie? And she's doing the CPR, and they go, ma'am, let us, let us get to him. And her friend, who's a lot younger than my wife, she took over on the CPR as well. And she, when she got there, she, she talked to me. We just talked about this recently. She said, Ray, you were purple. You're, you were a color I've never seen on a human being when I took over for CPR. So they finally started the paddles on me. And after the third attempt shocking me, there still was no pulse. Oh my God. Three times. My wife lost it. And I hear, of course, I was out. I don't know anything. She's standing in the doorway and they're all working on me. Oh my gosh. And she hears the third time, there's still no pulse. We can't, we can't get a pulse. She lost it. And her father at 62 died of a cardiac arrest. So she grabbed his picture and went into the living room bawling, begging, praying to God, please, dad, you're up there. Help my, help Ray, help, help, you know. And she, she just completely lost it. So they radio in and they ask for permission to up the amperage, they, whatever it is, from 350 is the standard to 360. 
and they get they have to do that they can't do it on their own they have mm -hmm. to ask permission from the er so they did it and they got a small rhythm so we've got one we've got one where do you want him to go and my wife said there's only one place i want him in vanderbilt that's where i want him because mm -hmm. they were going to take me to southern hills or something like that, but bandy with their teaching school so i got there they got me there and they put me in a self-induced coma because what they do with cardiac arrest pain patients is they cool you down they cool the whole body down to protect the brain from mm -hmm. swelling too much if not you could have very i have a tbi traumatic brain injury now mm -hmm. i'll explain to you in a minute from it and they uh they do that intentionally and then they do what's called the warming phase and they warm you and get you back to normal and then you wake up you're supposed to wake up from that within 24 hours well now it's april 1st because this was the 31st now it's april 1st i'm not i'm not waking up from the cool down april 2nd i'm not waking up from the cool down april 3rd 4th through to the 9th and that was me and what my family saw you have all those tubes in your mouth and At, all attached to my brain incubate ivs in my neck and my jugular oh my gosh that was me for nine days and my daughters um i finally woke up but my daughters were all there you can see my middle daughter when i finally woke up where did your daughters live um she's in atlanta okay. my middle one my oldest is in minnesota so they came in so they annette said i can't i can't do this somebody has to help me yeah and my daughter was at florida state mm -hmm. at school mm -hmm. my youngest daughter so our friend jennifer she started coordinating and getting him with you need to get here now here's, here's what happened so they were all in the actually arrived the next morning they got there the next morning but when that was all happening they they finally had a meeting with the doctors the neurologist and the cardiologist the electrophysiologist and they had a meeting with the family and said look we have to be very honest with you mm -hmm. this doesn't look good doesn't look good one he may not survive this mm -hmm. he may not this this is a po high possibility number two if he does he's probably going to be needing uh, assistance with dressing feeding himself walking talking so they're they're freaking out my family just and then two days before i woke up they had a discussion with my wife about do you do you want a dnr do not resuscitate and i and this is i can't make that i can't make that decision i can't make this so my youngest sister karen is very strong she was there and she goes no he's 59 you shocked the hell out of him 
you do whatever you have to do. This man is not dying. He's my brother, my older brother. He is not dying. You understand me? He's not dying. You shock the hell out of him. I'll make that decision. So they said to my wife, you know, you're, she goes, yeah, okay, okay. She, she was, she was a wreck. My wife was a wreck. So for 24 seven, my three daughters and um, my wife were literally living at Vandy. They were there the whole time. Um, my wife never went home, never would come home. Um, and then on April the 9th, yeah, nine days into it, they said, okay, we're going to have to take him off the incubation. We're going to have to trach him mm -hmm. because it doesn't look like he's going to wake up anytime soon. And we can't keep this like that for that long. And it's here. When they trachea, it's pretty bad because they go right in through your tracheotomy and, you know, to help you breathe and feed and all that. And, and my wife goes, oh, Lord. So my wife's Catholic. I'm Methodist. She and her sister, her sister was there, too. They went down, prayed the rosary and did it. I mean, really heavy. That night, and I was supposed to have it at 8 a.m., the trach the next morning. That night, at just before midnight, I opened my eyes. I, I opened my eyes. And they called me. My wife has just gone out to get a, a snack or something. And they came, they came running down the hall. I said, he's awake, he's awake. And screaming, my wife dropped everything in her hand that she got and came running in. And uh, they started saying, Ray, raise your right arm. And I raised my right arm. Ray, raise your left. They couldn't believe it, that I could do that after what was going on. That day, that afternoon, my wife just went across the street from Bandy to get some lunch. I had a seizure, a major seizure. Mm -hmm. It was bad. And my one daughter was there. And she said, "This, it, Mom, I'm glad you weren't here. It was not good. They think that may have triggered, that seizure may have triggered something to get me going to wake up. I don't know. Still don't know to this day. But like I said, I had no heart issues. I had no pl plumbing issues. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned from all of this, and I was still another two weeks, by the way, in, in Vandy rehab I had to do and then I had to go to cardiac rehab but I I never knew the difference between a cardiac arrest a sudden cardiac arrest and a heart attack big difference huge difference cardiac arrests are typically electrical it's the electrical part of your heart mm -hmm. where heart attacks are 95% plumbing it's a blockage or multiple blockages. And that's why people from heart attacks, they may not pass out. You know, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm having a heart attack. You go in, put stents in, change the diet, and you go on. With a sudden cardiac arrest, it's why they call it sudden cardiac, your heart just stops. 5% survive sudden cardiac arrest. Five out of 100. 
70 out of 100 survive heart attacks today. 78, I think it is up to now. Well, they'll go in, do the plumbing stints, and you're, you're right. Cardiac arrest people don't. So every cardiac arrest, sudden cardiac arrest, receive a defibrillator. I have one right here. You can hear it. Mm -hmm. Now, if it happens again, it'll zap me. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, hopefully it works and zaps me. And they do that because there's a 50-50 chance you have another one. Wow. You have a sudden cardiac arrest. So everyone, because I said, can I ever get this out? And they laughed at me and said, no, 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 no. That's, that's yours till the last. My neurologist, and I have a brain injury. I had swelling, and there's a part of my brain that I had some cognitive, a few cognitive issues, saying certain words I struggle with. The main area of the brain that's damaged that I found out from my last MRI, well, it's not going to heal. It's just going to be what it is, is that it's like I'm on a boat. I'm rocking, even sitting here talking to you, I feel like I'm moving. Mm -hmm. It's not a spinning dizzy. It's just like I'm rocking. My balance gets off, falling down stairs, going to the garage more times than I care to tell you. So that's the TBI, traumatic brain injury I received. So I was on disability for three months, and I said, I'm, I'm going I'm to go back to work. I think I can go back to work. So I did. I couldn't drive for six weeks because of the seizure. So I went back to work. For two months in September of that year, September and October, and my boss called me one day and said, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. And again, I was an area vice president with Sarah Lee here. And Brad, he said, I had a meeting with all your guys, all my direct reports. They're very worried about you. I said, man, I'm, I'm fatigued. Yeah, I'm fatigued. I'm tired. And I can't do this computer much in it. The, the brain injury is flashing lights. Mm -hmm. I, I can't do that. I mean, it's bad. I'll, I'll get really off. Driving at night, can't do that anymore because of the lights, you know, what they do. So he said, we think you need to take, go back and, and really get yourself right. So you can, you know, be productive and and work the hours demanded of you here. Because I would go in at 6, 6.30 to work and be home at 6, 7 at night. That's just the way it was. So I said, you know what? I think you're right. I, I'm, I'm, I can't do this right now. But I tried. It was two and a half months, and I just couldn't do it. So I went back out, and that was it. I never went back. Mm -hmm. My neurologist nicknamed me the Miracle Man. And I said, why? You see a lot of people. He goes, no, 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 no. People that this happens to, and I treat many of them. He said, Ray, I call you that because they come in here in wheelchairs. They come in here, have to have an, someone speak for them. They can't feed themselves. Some of them can't um, bathe themselves. And you walk in and sit down and talk to me? No, this is a, you don't understand that how lucky you are that it is, it could be a lot worse. Well, I struggled with that for a long time. I went and saw counseling and, and 
therapy and all that for the mental aspect of it. Um, and to this day, I still get frustrated. I can't do what I used to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I had very fine motor skills. I mean, I could do small minute. I can't do any of that anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't climb up a ladder very high at all. Um, I'm handy. I'm very handy. I can do a lot of things. A lot now we're hiring guys to hang a ceiling fan. I, that was nothing for me. I would do all that stuff. I can't do it anymore. So that was six years ago this past March. Wow. And I struggle still with it to this day. I get frustrated. I can't do what I used to do. My wife will um, get on me for not being patient enough with myself because I'll get frustrated. Again, like I never would think. I was an athlete. Mm -hmm. I was very athletic. Always go to get physicals. Had one small, like 30% blockage in one of them, but... My plumbing was great. They mm -hmm. said, you know, your heart's strong. Now I have a damaged upper chamber in one of them because of the cardiac arrest, but I never thought that would happen to me because I was I took care of myself, never smoked, ever. You know, drank, I like red, you know, nice red wines, bourbons on occasion. Never, I took care of myself. And, uh, so for this to happen, I, I, why? Was there ever an explanation? They couldn't, my electrophysiologist, because now once you have a cardiologist, he's your plumber. Electrophysiologist is your electrician for your heart. I had severe lower back pain all the time. Since my cardiac arrest, none. Hmm. None. It's gone. Well, that's an upside, I guess. And the, <laughs> my neurologist said, we think stress has a lot to do with this. Why your, your heart just finally said, enough. And I was tired. I was mentally and physically tired from, from the rigors. And that's why I said to her that night, ironically, think I'll ever be able to retire and I never thought about that I was always in the rhythm of working you know but I have a whole new perspective on little things now today they don't bother me at all I don't let the small stuff get to me I just it's not worth it I think about what I would have missed the birth of two of my grandkids my daughter graduating from college. My daughter getting married in May of this year. She just got married. My youngest up there, the blonde. I would have missed all of that. I wouldn't have been there for it. And I, I, I think about that a lot, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't have been there to walk my daughter down the aisle or to cheer her on when she graduated or to go up and see my my grandson uh, born, you know? So, yeah, I, I reflect on a lot. And then some days I get, like I said, I get a little frustrated because I want to be able to do what I used to do. Mm-hmm, good. Um, I have some questions, sure. if you'd be open to them. Absolutely. 
when they were doing CPR, they were keep your wife and mm -hmm. her friend or your friend. Mm -hmm. They were keeping your heart moving blood through your body. And then you went to the hospital and you were there for, was it nine or 10 days? In a coma. Until you woke up. Yeah, and I was there another week, two weeks almost, before they let me go home. Did you have any sense of that time? Or was it just you remember being in bed and then you remember waking up? I remember two things. I remember two things. I remember wanting butter pecan ice cream. They brought it to me. <laughs> I remember that. I remember sitting there and eating it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I, I, I really remember is when, at the end, they were going to send me to rehab for two weeks to a month in a, in a rehab center. Mm -hmm. And I said, like, hell I am. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm not going there. I want to go home. So when they test you, they take you up and make you walk up and down stairs and all that. Well, I pushed it. I pushed and did whatever I could to show them I can do this. And I got extremely sick in my stomach and it came up. But they said, you know what? With his determination, though, he can go home, but he's going to have to go three days a week mm -hmm. to this therapy for speech because I couldn't. I talk pretty good now. People don't realize I've had all this, but I couldn't then. I couldn't get words right. I couldn't say things right. I couldn't remember things. And I remember that, that they, they pushed me to see how far I could go. And uh, they let me go home. And then I went to uh, cardiac therapy. Did you feel like you were close to death? And then you came yeah. back. I do you think that was your choice, or do you have any sense of that? I don't. I don't know. I, I just know this. I'm not afraid of dying. Not at all. When it happened, I felt no pain. Just nothing. Like I was. I don't know. Like you're out from a surgery where they put you under. Mm -hmm. Just like. I don't remember going like that or anything. Mm -hmm. I was at just a peaceful, this is the most peaceful feeling is the way I describe it. People go, what? I said, yeah, I was, I'm not afraid at all. Not anymore. I used to be. I was going to say from the lightning you had, I mean, it that, wasn't the same. It was a different kind of fear. It but. was a different kind of fear. And I, you know, but I woke up that day. You know what I mean? I was yeah. I was revived and then I was conscious and I knew it was going. This was nine days in a coma where my family was going through royal hell, twenty four seven, for nine days, and they and then with the group coming in and telling them, this isn't looking good, and these are all the heads of the different departments: neurology, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the electrophysiologist, the cardiologist. They're all going. This, we just want to be honest with you. This is not good. Do you have any idea, you know, because you could have easily passed, it sounds like. The odds were highly against me waking up and coming out of there. But you did. But I did. Do you have any sense or do you interpret that, that there is a reason? Everyone tells me, God has you here for a purpose. Don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But 
they, they all say, it's not your time. There's, there's a reason that you're here. And I always go, why? You know? And then I hear of this one guy that works for me here, his neighbor, 59 years old, had the same thing happen to him. And four days later, he died. Exactly the same thing to me. He came every day, twice a day to the hospital. Tears. I got, I was his mentor. Mm -hmm. I got him elevated in, in the bread business, got him into a regional manager's job, and he listened to me. So he, he just, he and I are very tight. And I'm very proud of him. Uh, but when it happened to his neighbor, 59 years old like I was, went to see him just like I everything that you saw. Joe saw it all. And he came every day. And he said, Ray, I just want you to know how lucky you are. Because this man has four kids, young. And he, he's, he's gone. Wow. And uh, I think about it. When I really think about it, 95 of 100 don't, I think it's 7% now, somewhere in that. It's, anyway, it's under 10. So 90 to 95 people. And the reason for that is they're alone mm -hmm. or there's no one in the vicinity mm -hmm. to see what, what happened. Do you have, and if you're comfortable talking about it or not, but do sure. you have a faith system? You said your wife's Catholic. Has, no, my wife's that... Catholic. I'm Methodist. Okay, that's right. You did say that. I am Methodist, and I, I have my belief. Mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest, but yes, I do. I didn't as strong before mm -hmm. until this happened to me. And now I've been reading up a lot. And the prayers that people on Caring Bridge, and I downloaded it all and read all the comments because on Caring Bridge you can go in and they tell you how to get to the site, mm -hmm. and people comment. And my daughters every day would update. They would go and update. This is number one. That's my oldest. This is number three, Tori. You know, and they would update. Here's the status. Dad had a good day today. You know, or dad didn't have a good day today, you know, and just update everything. And I'm reading all the comments. I started thinking, he kept me here for a reason. I firmly believe it. I really do. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I wasn't the strongest because I go back and forth and the different thinkings, but why me and not? all those others I just don't I, I don't I don't know so some reason I, I firmly do I'm, I'm fine with telling anybody that so you know I've heard of some people having those kind of experiences and they get a very clear sense of what they need to do when they come back mm -hmm. but you know to just have such an open heart and an openness to you know I don't know but I'm here Right. And I'm going to make the most of it, which is kind of the energy that I get from you. That's correct. And you're very connected to your family. There's so I much am. love there. My family is, I am the most, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I'll tell you that right now. My girls, I always wanted a boy because I'm an athlete, I'm, you know, all that. But wouldn't trade any. My, my girls are phenomenal. They are my sisters, my three sisters. 
I have two older sisters, one younger than me. We're, I can't explain it. Like my, my oldest calls me today. I had to hear your voice, you know, because yeah. they were there. They lived it. Yeah. They lived it every day in those makeshift area. And the funny story is that the nurses, a, a different shift would come on and they would come in and go, yo, you people, you can't do that. You can't take over this area. <laughs> and then another nurse goes, oh, whoa, whoa, that's theirs. You, if someone else have to go somewhere else. That's their spot. <laughs> and the energy they brought is what the nurses told me. Yeah. Well, my first, my, my first year after you have a rebirthday, my wife threw me a rebirthday party one year. And it was in our other house around the corner. The nurse, two nurses came. They came. Wow. And they sat with me and talked to me and told me there wasn't any chance in hell we're letting anybody take that. And, the, you know, my daughters were there and, and uh, they became very close over those two and a half weeks of knowing them. Okay, here's another question for you. Sure. So you had your corporate job. Mm-hmm. You were living... You know, you had your three girls, but life was just kind of what it was. And then you had your sudden cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like everything changed. Obviously, your health changed. Your sense of your body and the control of your body changed. Mm-hmm. You tried to go back to work, but pretty much you ended up kind of retiring. Like, life changed so fast. Correct. I have two questions for that. One, what was your process of grieving what you lost? And two... What has been the gift in that? The, I, I guess from Dr. Lee was, the, was actually a psychiatrist I ended up talking to about it. I was angry because I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't come to the realization of why this happened to me. So yeah, I was angry. I was angry about it that I couldn't, finish my plan that I wanted to do. But grieving, I don't know that, he, he had me, he had me write down every day the way I'm feeling in a journal. I still do it to this day, every day. I do it on my iPad or my phone now. I have, a diary, there's a diary app. And I started it with him then. And I might go two weeks without anything. Mm-hmm. I filled it up in the beginning. On the way I was feeling, my anger. Why me, you know? And I went through that. And then my wife basically said, you got to stop this. I'm on Zoloft. For the anxious, because of mainly the PVC runs, it's not a high dose, but it does help. It helps helps my anxiety. I don't like being medicated. I've never been one to take pills at all, but now I got to take all these different ones. But I, Catherine, I don't know if I ever really grieved. I, I, I was more upset that I couldn't finish my plan to mm. do what I wanted to do and that I can't do what I used to do before this happened to me. 
I mean, I played golf. I loved it. Now I can't stand over a golf ball with a club because I do this. The balance. Because of the motion. And I try and swing an off ball almost. I'm going, Ray, you know. I mean, I was a low handicap. I, I could play. I can't hardly swing a golf club anymore. I love it. So, yeah, those things, they, they get to me. Mm-hmm. What I've learned from it all. Or what, what, is there, what are the gifts that have been in it? The, oh, the gifts, yes. Whole new appreciation for my family. Mm-hmm. That you're separated. One's in Atlanta, one's in Minnesota. My daughter at the time was at Florida State. That how lucky I am to have those people that care like they do about me. That's an amazing gift. Seeing those photos, there's so much love. Uh, they, they, and I, I just have they have they get don't get mad at me if I don't when they find out things that I do like the not taking the Kepra like from my seizure. They'll call, they're all three. They'll all call me and get in me. We love you, Dad. You understand that? I understand it. And I, I just, the gift of having a, a second chance, like I said, to see my grandson, my daughter get mar- married and walk, graduate from college. I can't, there's, that's the greatest gift there is. And to be here and not be my wife stays on me. She's 10 years younger than I am, 10 and a half years younger than I am. She will lay me out if I don't do things right. Yeah, I mean, she'll get in my shorts quick. And it's for my well-being. Mm-hmm. And I know that. If she didn't care, she wouldn't say anything. But she is, and she, it's, it's funny, you're here about this. Last week, she had a, sat me down and said, I get, because I told her, you, you got to get off my back with certain things. Like I said, I would take the laundry out and fold it when she was going to see her mother. Her mother's in memory care. That's where she is now. She had to go down there. And I forgot. Or I'll forget this. Or, Ray, I told you to do. And that's part of the brain injury. Mm-hmm. And she knows that. So I said, you got to get off my back with this stuff. And she says, medications and those things too. She said, you don't, you didn't live it. She said, you didn't live what we lived for nine days, 24-7, Ray. You don't know what we went through. And I don't, I was out. I was, you know, I didn't know. So she goes, yeah, I don't want, you've got to take care. You've got to help me take care of you. Mm. And when you don't, I get frustrated because you don't know what we went through. All of us. I mean, they were, I, I was reading Caringbridge thing where my daughters were, you know, each one would have a different breakdown time. Just a realization hitting. Mm-hmm. And they explain it and I'm reading all this. So every now and then for my own, because I can't remember a lot of things anymore, mm-hmm. I'll go back and reread some of it. 
And it really shows me the gift I have to my family. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. And my Miss Libby here too. You saw her, she won't leave me everywhere I go. She's right there. She's right there with me. If I get up to go in the kitchen, she'll be right with me. Going up, getting up with you. Yep, she was, she's something. So. There's just, I know I'm repeating myself, there's just so much love around you. What would you tell someone or a family that's, you know, going through something like this with a loved one who gets sick and has to change a good bit of their life? What would you tell them that you've learned? That I've learned never give up. Never give up. Uh, it's like my sister said, you, if he goes, you shock them until he comes back. That's one. And try to under look at all the positive good things, even though you might not. I have to do that because I can get in the other way. I can start looking like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. But wait, you can do that. I can drive during the day up to the corner. You know, I, I, I can feed myself. I can shower. That's not supposed to happen. So people need to understand, even though they're not the way they were before, they're still alive and they can see their families, be with their families, and experience another day. And that's what I look at. I, I take every day a day at a time now, because you don't know. Don't know. You just don't. Like I told you to start this, I never in a million years expected I'd have a cardiac arrest, never. Or that you'd be struck by lightning. Or that was struck. That was, yeah. On a and a lot slide. of people go, well, you think that struck by lightning caused the cardiac arrest? I said, there's too much of a gap, you know. Yeah. Uh, he, I asked my folks that, and they said, no, they, that arrhythmia, that's normal. People normal. Yours is, you never had one, but yours isn't bad enough to where it would have caused same. it. So I'm... I don't know, Catherine, I just, I feel, like I said, I wake up every day, very fortunate, and just glad I got another chance to, to witness some wonderful things in my life, so I'm what very you, fortunate. What do you really enjoy each day? My coffee in the morning, I love it. <laughs> I get up, <laughs> and, and this one, she relies on me because I have meds on her now, I've got to give her. I have responsibilities. My deer that come every day to feed, I have to make sure that I have the food and the feeder for them because I have a mother and two fawns that come every morning in their back. Wow. Or in the afternoon. And uh, I've started bird watching, for crying out loud. And I sit there, I'll sit over there at the table and watch the hummingbirds. The hummingbirds are a blast. And I never thought, bird watchers, not me, but I love it. I absolutely love watching them. Whole new appreciation for nature. I've always been an animal lover. I love animals. You know, I got to feed them, make sure they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accountable for, to them and these two cats in the morning. I'm, I'm taking over. I feed them, feed her, take her out. I cook. I, I could cook before too, mm -hmm. but I enjoy it. I enjoy doing it. And I got a, a foodie grill. You're going to think this is crazy. Mm -mm. They're amazing. I enjoy that, doing that stuff. And I enjoy, because my wife still works. So I try and make 
things a lot easier on her mm-hmm. that she has to work. So I do the cook. I'll do some laundry. I do all the dishes, clean up, vacuum, all that kind of stuff. We have a girl that comes every other week to help us, but uh, I, I just want to make take responsibilities off of her. That's that's my my big and make sure she's okay. She's going through a rough time. My mother-in-law is 91. Mm-hmm. Alzheimer's dementia, mm. getting not so hot, you know. And uh, my goal is to make sure she doesn't isn't burdened with other things. You're she doing can the put, taking care of. Yes, yes. I always have. I, I haven't been the. I'm not the kind. You know, with three sisters, three daughters. You know, I'm very in touch with the femininity piece. So I never expected to not help, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Annette cooks, I do the dishes. If she, if I cook, I do the dishes. I won't let her. I say, no, I got it. Very meticulous about things like that. So, and she knows. She goes, good, you can do it. And she works all day, you know. And her, she's, she's got a, a, a responsibility, so... I try and take as much off of her as I can. That's my goal now in this new way of life for us. Because Sounds like it, you do. Yeah, and we were partners all the way. I mean, when we were both working, you know, I still helped. still did things like that. Um, it's just the way I felt. I said, it's not, I'm not that old school mentality. You're partners, equal partners. You got to help one another, so... That's beautiful. That really is that spirit of just working together. Being Absolutely. A team. That's why, and this is my second marriage. Okay. My oldest two are from my first marriage. Mm-hmm. That was about nine years. And Annette and I have been 31 years. Wow. Yeah. So, Congratulations. Yeah. It's coming up. So it's, uh, she's my true, real partner. And for her, for whatever reason, 24 years old to marry, to fall in love with a 34-year-old with two kids at six and eight. I just, I wouldn't done it at 24 years old. No way. And she did. And it wasn't easy, you know. But she hung in there, and now they're as close. They're like, they all get together. It's nuts. You have a lot of women in your life. I do. I do. It sounds like those pictures, like they're all close. They are. (laughs) <laughs> they are, they're, they are, and then, um, that's why I mean, I, I sit back, now I know what my dad used to say when he would sit back and watch us all, because I had three sisters and me, mm-hmm. and he, he would watch us all and interact for different holidays, and I go, you know what, y'all, I'm the luckiest man in the world, he'd say it all, and we go, what, he goes, all you, right there, mm-hmm. he said, couldn't be any better. You know, and that's the way I feel, just like he did. I get it. I know exactly where he was coming from when we'd say it. Because back then I'd go, what? You know? Um, but last question for you. Yes. What is one thing you really love about yourself? That I have a big heart and I'm very, very compassionate for people. Um, I, I really am. I, I, I want, I always like to try and see the good in everybody mm-hmm. um, and that I'm well liked by a lot of people and that 
I like that part. It's not that I don't care if people like me or not, but I have a, a very big heart and I'm very compassionate for people. I really, I really am. I, I hate to see anybody suffer. Um, animals, <laughs> for instance. So that, that's what I would say about that. Well, I see that in you. Yeah. Well, Thank you so very much for no sharing problem. your story. I says survive lightning and yeah. sudden cardiac arrest and to have the attitude and outlook that you have it's just extraordinary i like i said i've i've always been the how to's not the why nots yeah um and i, I still am that way there's always a way you know and that's why that old saying that that one of my guys came up with whether it's a raid or what it's <laughs> it, it's it's the power of positive thinking i think there's that and all but that's just, I, I try and be that influence on, on other people too, if I can. You know what I mean? To yeah. kind of not be the doom and gloom. That's Doesn't not who I am. Like no, all. that's all not right. me. Well, let's stop here. Thank you so much. You betcha, Catherine. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave a comment about this conversation, maybe what you're taking with you from it. Make sure to check out the other conversations if you haven't already too. You can also send me a message if you have a story to share. I'd love to hear it. I'll be working on a new series soon and you could be a part of it. Sending good your way. Until next time, take good care.